0: Matthew chapter 16, would you stand with me? Verses 13 through 19. Matthew 16, 13 through 19. And the Bible says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. Oh, this is what blows my mind. Some say John the Baptist? John the Baptist was alive at the same time as Jesus. So they think that John the Baptist died and then came and, and all of a sudden in the person who was already alive in Jesus of Nazareth, he entered his body. I mean, just think about some of the weird stuff people believe. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Now, let me just say this. All this is going on. Everybody's got an opinion about what everything's going on, what's going on in the world. What do you think is going to happen here? What do you think is going to happen there? What do you think is going to? But Jesus is saying, What are you going to do with me? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And that word Peter right there means a small pebble. And on this rock, and that word rock is Petra. It's the Greek word for Petra. It means a large granite boulder a gigantic rock so you little rock peter little bitty stone insignificant stone peter um, and on this rock the rock of your faith on the rock of, of of jesus christ i will build my church and the gates of hades some versions say the gates of hell will not overcome it I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, one thing I'm not going to do today is I'm not going to go verse by verse in this passage. This is a, it's more of a topical message where, where I'm giving you some, some, some g- general but specific, I say it's general, but there are really specific biblical truths that can be found in a passage. But this is kind of like our foundational passage, that Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the abode of the dead, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In spite of what's going on in our world, COVID. Did COVID destroy the church? Absolutely not. Will it destroy the church? Absolutely not. Because listen, the church is not not the building, but gathering is part of what we do. We are the church. And church doesn't end. You know, I love we, we use these, and we say, we're going to have church. But we are the church. And I say it, too. I said it Monday at, at at Brother Joe's funeral, man, when you could feel the Holy Spirit and some good things were going on. And I'm like, man, we're having church today. But but we are the church. And the gates of hell, be it COVID, be it political persecution, be it Christian persecution, be be it trying to wipe us off of social media and the face of the earth, Jesus promised that all of hell will not be able to stand against his church that's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and on the rock of our faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can be optimistic in our faith, knowing that you have a plan for us, and it may be through great trial and tribulation, But in the midst of all of that, it's about giving you the glory. So help us as we fight through these times and as things are changing before us, uh, like things that we've never seen before, things we never thought we would live to see. We're seeing them. And help us to be the kind of people that are the aroma of Christ. That people would flock to what we're, not what we're selling, but what we are because of you in us, and we'll give you the glory for it, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Guys, you may be seated. So I want to give you four things today about optimistic faith. Number one, I am optimistic about the church. Going forward, I'm optimistic about the church. You know, and, I, and I've told you this before, but if you would have told me prior to the first of March last year that we would go eight weeks without meeting, which means, I mean, I don't care who you are, I don't care as a pastor what, what how spiritual you think you are, you begin to worry about, uh-oh, we don't have any money to pay bills, to pay staff. Is it, you know, you, you, I mean, it's reality. If you had told me that we were going to go eight weeks and during those eight weeks we would actually do better financially during those eight weeks as a whole than we did in 2019 during those same eight weeks, I would have laughed at you. But we did. God's people remain faithful. I see the church in the midst of shutdowns and lockdowns all over the place across America in states that are, that are far more restrict, uh, restrictive than, than the state we live in, um, where the church is finding ways to meet and finding ways to do ministry, and they're continuing. They're not letting this thing stop them. So I'm optimistic about the church. Let me tell you what I'm optimistic about, about the church. Number one, and I'm, I'm going to put all three of them up for you. I'm optimistic about the message of the church so guys y'all put those those red words up there do I have yeah there we go the message you see the message the mission and the makeup let me tell you about that i'm optimistic about the message matthew chapter man i used to know this verse by heart now all of a sudden i'm getting old matthew chapter it's the, it's the last chapter in matthew okay chapter 28 is it it's 28 okay matthew chapter 28 tells us um, go therefore and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit so well that that's our mission but in doing that our message is this this is our message god sent his son they called him jesus our message is John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his perfect his only begotten the altogether lovely one the rock of ages the lily of the valley the bright and morning star the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end the altogether lovely one God sent Jesus the lamb of God who takes over the sins of the world the lion of Judah God sent him To become a man and was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin to pay the price and the penalty for our sin he paid the ransom and because of that our redemption was purchased and now we receive him and we are made um, uh, we, we were enemies of God but now we are brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ in other words Jesus came and he died and he rose again and if we'll put our faith and trust in him simply He'll change your heart, change your life. And I don't like to use the word, you got your ticket to heaven, ticket punch. No, 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 no. You, he, he comes into your heart and life, and he changes you, right? And you have eternity living within you. That's our message. That's the message of the church. And the message of, of the church is the same as it's always been. And it doesn't matter how things change in the world. The message never changes. Never. And we, think about that, with all the changes going on in the world, there's some things that will never change, and one of those things is the old paths, the old ways according to Scripture, which is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. It's the only message that we have, and it's the message we cling to, and so I'm optimistic because we have a life changing message that changes people from the inside out. It's real. He's living. He's alive in us and we don't have to be ashamed of that message and it doesn't matter what's happening in the world because wherever we go as a church god is using us to be his ambassadors for christ second timothy i mean second corinthians chapter seven i'm optimistic about the message but i'm also optimistic about the mission matthew 28 the great commission we have had people over the years that have come here tried to change our mission and as politely and as godly and as lovingly as i can tell them you didn't write the mission you don't have a you don't have a say in changing it we've been given the mission called the great commission by god well, we're living in the end times, so what we need to do is prepare people for the end times. Where in God's Word does it tell us that the mission of the church is to tell people to, to put a bunch of canned goods away and to go and, 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 and go live up on a mountain and to wait for Jesus to come? As a matter of fact, 1 Thessalonians were written so that, they, so that Paul could correct that bad theology with those people because that, they thought Jesus was coming at any moment, and so they quit living. And I've had people here say, you don't preach enough on, on the end times. You've you got to prepare people. Well, the commission hasn't changed. Our mission hasn't changed. We're to make disciples. We're to share Jesus Christ with them. We're to make disciples. We're to mark disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're to, we're to mature disciples where the Bible says, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Lo, I am with you always. Well, what do you have that's exciting going on at your church? Well, I'll tell you what we got that's exciting. At, at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, we have some Bible studies going on for children and adults. And then we have a worship service. And on Wednesday night, <clears throat> Richard, can you get me some water, please? I <clears throat> Oh, it's right there. Hey, hallelujah. You ask and you shall receive. There we go. <clears throat> and so, man, thank God. God opened my eyes. I was blind, but now I see it. <clears throat> Whoa, man, got a dry throat there all of a sudden. On Wednesday night, think about that. What you got exciting going on at your church? I'll tell you what we got exciting. First of all, we're going to have a home-cooked meal by somebody in this church that loves Jesus and that wants to feed you so that you can come from work and wherever you are so you can eat some food and and don't have to worry about cooking at home and come here and fellowship around the table of the Lord together as we eat together and as we spend time getting to know each other a little bit. Then I'll tell you what's going to happen. We're going to have divided up groups, and some are going to go to uh, the men's Bible study, and that's where I teach. And I'm going to be yelling and telling people to get out of the fellowship hall. i got to teach these men, you know, and stuff like that. Then we have our ladies' Bible studies, and they're going to go and learn and, and, and study and grow to become the godly women. And then we got this, uh, this uh, little, little, little uh, thin guy with a beard, and um, he's a cool guy. And, uh, man, he can do everything. He can preach. He can play guitar. He can sing. He can lead. He's our youth pastor. And he's going to lead you in worship. Well, actually, the band, he's got a worship band he's developed. And they're going to do it. And then he's going to teach and develop and disciple. Uh, he, well, well, I mean, where's the big show? Where, well, no, we don't, we're not having a show. We're, we're doing the, the, the maturing part. We're developing people. That's part of the church. We're growing. We're eating a little while right now. I'm optimistic about the church, about the message, about the mission, and about our makeup. You say, what is that all about? I ain't talking about what you put on your face. Ladies, I I just want to be honest with you. Just, just, Just a point here. How in the world can you stand that stuff on your face? I'm not against it. I try. To put hunter's makeup on when it's hot during hunting season all that here and all of there i'm sweating it gets in my eyes it gets in my mouth it tastes horrible it's like uh, i come home and penny looks like you who beat you up man i just like, got it in my beard i can't get it out <laughs> anyway makeup no that's not what we're talking about i chase that rabbit okay makeup i'm optimistic about the makeup of the church Hear what I'm about to tell you. In America, we categorize churches as the white church, the black church, the Hispanic church. And yes, I understand. I'm, I'm not being, uh, uh, not sticking my head in saying, sand. I understand. There are cultural differences in, 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 in the way people worship, there are styles and all of that. I get that. There are denominational differences and all of that. But I'll tell you something that I see more and more that I'm liking and I'm loving is that it doesn't matter. There is no white church, black church, green church, Hispanic church, Asian church. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. And I love that the church is made up of people. Right? People. That's right, all of us, and yet we still have a society, we have politicians that are constantly trying to divide us by our skin color, by our our ethnicity, by this and by that, but we're all people, all of us. And I, I, I'm optimistic about the makeup of the church. That God's church doesn't care what you look like. Doesn't care how much money you have or don't have. It doesn't care. God's church cares about you. You're a, you're a child of God. You have a, a spirit. You were born, uh, you know, uh, uh, as a person that God wants to redeem. And, and he cares about you. That's what matters. Amen. Does that make sense to anybody? So I'm optimistic about the church and our message and our mission and our makeup. And when Jesus says here, the church, the the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The gates of hell is trying to prevail against the church. But, you know, the church is not founded on our strength as humans. It's founded on, on Jesus Christ, the firm foundation. And usually through persecution is when the church grows the strongest. Let me give you something real quick. I'm not going to spend as much time on each point, but that one, I wanted to just hash that one out for a little bit. I'm optimistic about the family. Now, guys, those of you in the, in the sound booth up there, I'm not going to read this entire passage because we just don't have time. But I'm optimistic about the family. Ephesians 5, 21 through, through chapter 6, verse 4 talks about wives submit to your husbands it also talks about us submitting to one another and it says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and in verse 33 it says husbands love your wives wives respect your husband there's a book written called love and respect which hones in on that on on those two words there in in uh, Ephesians 5 33 and then in chapter 6 it talks about children obey your parents in the Lord it talks about the whole family I'm optimistic about the Christian family, but I'm also optimistic about the institution of the family. As these times get crazier, people tend to gravitate back to what makes them comfortable, to gravitate back to, to what makes them strong, and that's to the family and while you might say well preacher i don't know what family you're talking about man my family was a disaster my dad was a drunk he beat my mom my mom was this whatever whatever I, I, and i get it not everybody was raised in a good family and I, I, I you know my heart hurts for you that you had to go through that because I, I grew up with a mom and daddy that loved each other and they were there we never had to worry about it and um you know, it wasn't a perfect life. You know, it's amazing to me when I hear people say this. Well, it's better for us to break up our family and get divorced because we want our kids to live in peace. Let me tell you something. Trust me when I tell you. My mom and dad didn't, and if they're watching today, mom and dad, I'm not trying to tell your dirty laundry, but just like anybody else, if everybody was honest about their lives you know you got some rough times sometimes in marriage and it's tough and you wouldn't want you wouldn't want people to know some of the things that you've said to each other or some of the things you've gone through and I remember my mom and dad having some struggles from time to time and it it created a little chaos from time to time but you know what we as kids you think you think oh the kids can't say no 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 listen the kids would much rather have a mom and daddy that are struggling to figure it out than their mama and daddy separated. I know, because my mom and dad went through some trouble, and one time my mom and dad sat, my dad sat, my brother and I down, and my dad sat on my weight bench, and I remember looking at us, and he said, son, sons, me and your mom, we're going to get a divorce. And it crushed us. They, They didn't. They didn't. What I'm saying is this, that the Bible talks about the importance of the family. While you and I can't control what politicians do, we can't control what these knuckleheads did at the Capitol the other day. They're more than knuckleheads. They're criminals. Whatever. We can't control any of that stuff. But what we can do, we're responsible to God for our family and what we do with our family how we raise our children how we nurture our marriage how we walk together in faith that has an impact on society i know there are people that can't say this and i'm not trying to make you envious but i wake up every day thanking god for my salvation thanking God for my marriage. I'm married to my best friend. We love each other. She turns into a hunting widow during hunting season. My hunting season's over. I told her, I said, baby, it's about three things going forward. Until next year. But it's about three things. It's about God. About you and about our church. I've got little hobbies here and there, but that's, that's what it is. I said, I'm not planning to be away from home for a long time. You stuck with me now. There's security, emotionally, spiritually, even physically. In a family that's committed to Christ. Not perfect. Struggling. But that gives me tremendous optimism. Because as families in our church get strong, the church gets stronger, the society gets stronger. I look at some of these young couples. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. I mean, we got... The diamond's right here, young married couple, two kids following God's call upon their life. We've got the beast over here. (laughs) I always call Justin the beast. I don't know why, but I just, I think it's because Larry said when Justin was born, the first words he said like two seconds after he was born was, feed me. (laughs) I know it's a lie, buddy. We love you. No, Justin grew up in this church, so Justin and his sweet wife, young couple committed to the to marriage we got these two right here that are getting ready to get married not too long they're hanging around these good young married couples teaching them a lot about what to do and what not to do <laughs> we have jacob and his beautiful bride we have dude over there wearing a pink shirt what self-respecting man wears pink that's what Larry would say. I, but I do. I like, I like wearing pink just, just to get Larry going in the morning. <laughs> They're going to be getting married here shortly in a few weeks. I mean, I can look around. I'm, I'm going to stop right there. People are like, please don't talk about me. Please don't. Talk about me. That right there, that, that's encouraging. And we have others who are not here. I'm optimistic about the family and what it can be. And what God is doing. Number three, real quick, real quick. Let me give you these. I'm optimistic about the future. Look at Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. You said, huh? Yeah. I don't wake up every day and say, Oh, 2021's already good. It's already starting out worse than 2020. I don't live that way. No. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, this is specifically to Israel. It's a specific prophecy about Israel. But I also believe you can take those principles. That's God's heart for His people. And as Christians, that's what God wants to do to, for us. He wants to prosper us spiritually. You say, is that New Te-? Yeah, New Testament. Third John says, I, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are prospering in their walk and in their faith. So i'm optimistic about the future now for me that means this that doesn't mean that i'm going to be wealthy that doesn't mean that i'm going to get everything i want that doesn't mean that i don't have some difficult hard tragic times ahead you live long enough you're going to experience those things it's going to happen however even in those things, I'm optimistic that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. So no matter what happens in our society, no matter what happens in our world, if I just stay focused on Jesus Christ and and continue with the plan that God has laid upon our hearts, I'm going to be optimistic in the future because I know that God will use my life for his glory in the future. And I'm good with that. And number three, in optimi- I mean, number four, an optimistic faith. I'm optimistic about my daily walk with Christ, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm optimistic about my daily walk with Christ. Now, go with me to 2 Corinthians 4, it's verses 1 through 18. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to read a chunk, and that's why I skipped the other passage because I've got three long passages I had today. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we studied the main part of this passage, the first part of this passage in Sunday school today. Um, Look at what the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians 4.1. And I'm going to jump around here, so guys, you following on there, Just I'll tell you what verse. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who who are perishing. The god of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So a lot of what's going on today and these people that oppose, you know, um, what we believe and and they don't just disagree but they want to destroy us. They're blinded by the god of this age. And so I pray for them that God would take the veil over their eyes that Satan has put on their eyes. And that's why they're behaving the way they behave and doing the things that they do. And then go with me to um, verse 7. Look at this. Bible says here in verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. You know, he is the potter, we are the clay, but we have this treasure even in these jars of clay, our bodies, to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. In other words, when people look at us, they say, What they're doing is not humanly possible. And you know what? That's exactly right. It's not humanly possible to forgive somebody who killed one of your loved ones, who murdered one of your loved ones. That's exactly what Corrie Ten Boom did in in Nazi Germany when her and her family were, were destroyed by the Nazis in concentration camp and she was the only one who lived and her mother and father died and her sister died. And the man who was the prison guard that put misery upon her life after the war came To her when she was speaking out of church and asked for her forgiveness and she forgave him that's the surpassing power from God and he says look at this we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed perplexed but not in despair I don't know about you but aren't you perplexed by things that happen in this world perplexed means it it's it's like here's the definition of perplexion of being perplexed a calf looking at a new gate this is what a calf does when you look at a new gate. what am i supposed to do it doesn't make sense right to be perplexed like when i went to a coffee shop one day a few weeks ago and nobody was wearing a mask except the two people taking the order and i walk in with that because when i saw it i went my kind of place i'm going in and when i went in she goes, sir, do you have a mask? I have one, but not on me. You must put a mask on. And I went, I was a calf looking at a new gate. <laughs> Nobody wearing a mask in here. You have to put one on to order. Then you can take it off. I'm like a deer looking at some, like a hunter up in a tree going, well, what's that big, ugly thing up in that tree? it's perplexing everything that happens today is so perplexing it just you know people are talking out of both sides of their mouth it's a perplexing world we live in persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed we always carry around in our body the death of jesus so that the life of jesus May be revealed in our body for we who are alive and are always being given over to death for Jesus sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Then he says here in verse 16, go to verse 16, guys. Therefore, therefore, we do not lose heart. Second time that that phrase is mentioned in that passage. Though outwardly we are wasting away men. Now that's encouraging. I got out of deer stand the other day, been sitting for hours. I climbed down. When I got the first step I took, I went, oh, everything was stiff. Oh, man, this is so hard. I'm just like, oh, I started moving. I'm like, when did that start? I mean, when? Come on. Yeah, our body's wasting away. I I, I, mean, I, I wish I had good news for you, but. <laughs> bodily exercise is good and and you can you can prolong some days maybe if you don't get some terrible disease and and you know and it's good for i'm not saying don't don't do well as a matter of fact i start tomorrow trying to eat healthy again it might last for two hours but i'll be successful in those two hours pray for me at the hunting camp this week no healthy eating there anyway Though our outward body's wasting away, yet inwardly, inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not what are, on what is seen, but on what is unseen, sin, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And there it is. I'm optimistic about my daily walk with Christ because every day, every day He's with me. Every day He's teaching me. Every day He's walking with me. Every day He's growing me and developing me. Every day He's using me and you, Every day. And the Bible says, day by day, little by little, slowly as it goes, this clay is rotting away. It's it's, it's, it's it's, it's, it's going bad. But what I've got on the inside, who I really am, that's developing and growing every day. It's called my daily walk. With Jesus Christ. So therefore, the things that I see, I don't, they don't have to rule me. So I fix my eyes on not what is seen, but I fix my eyes on what is unseen. Because what I see is temporary. The Bible calls it temporary suffering. The Bible says, and this too shall what? it's temporary the struggles in this life temporary the failures of this life temporary the difficulty in this life temporary those are the things that i see but what what is unseen by the naked eye the mysterious working of god in our hearts that he does amazing things And the person that's being changed day by day can see those things much better every day. So I end with this. I'm optimistic because I'm a Christian. I know how the story ends. I read it already. You want me to read it to you? Revelation? Go to it. The Bible says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We don't have to sorrow as others who have no hope, for we shall all be changed. And together, those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord to meet Him in the air. Those who have died before will go first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. It's, it's, what we call the rapture, that which comes from a Latin word, but in the Greek it talks about the gathering together of the saints. I'm optimistic that the affliction of this day is just temporary. I love my country, but it's not my home. My citizenship is in heaven. I'm going to be involved civically. I'm going to vote. I'm going to stand for what I believe. Yes, I believe that America was founded on Christian principles. America is a secular nation right now where, they, where a lot of Christians live. The mission field is ripe all around us, but it's hard work. I'm optimistic. Now, I'm pretty pessimistic about COVID, I don't want it. I hope I don't get it. I try to be smart about it, try to be responsible. But at the same time, I know a lot of people who are doing the same thing, and they got it. None of us know. And we might all get it at some point. One thing you never hear in the media, though. All you hear is a negative. You never hear that it's still 99.6% survivable. I like those odds. Because if I get a cold, which is COVID, it's just not COVID-19. But if I get a cold, I guarantee you, I'm 50-50 on whether or not I'm going to survive it. It's called, they call it the man flu. Nobody gets that anymore. Right? It's all COVID. But I'm optimistic about even if that happens, whoever it happens to, it happens to me. We've got people in our church right now who are going through it. And I'm optimistic that they're going to be be fine through it. But if for some reason they're not, that's not my call. That's God's call. And they belong to Him because the Bible says if we live, we belong to the Lord. And if we die, we belong to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We're just changing addresses, man. So this preacher going into 2021 and every year and every day, optimistic i'm going to live my life y'all and i'm not going to let the people who are crippled by fear keep me from living my life it's what i call optimistic faith i titled it and i put the put the message on there uh, yesterday i believe i titled it um being optimistic in a world gone crazy But this is when Christians shine. There's a song we sang years ago, and I don't know if we sang it, ever sang it here, Eric, but you may have heard it. Shine, Jesus, shine. Da, 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 da. I don't remember the words. I remember that. Shine, Jesus, shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. We're to radiate Christ. Now, young people, don't you dare let pessimistic, cynical adults, even Christians sometimes who should know better, discourage you from living the best life that God's called you to live. Don't let them do it, don't let them keep you from being victorious this day. Adults, Young people, everybody in here, don't you let some atheistic, unbelieving person in the media that comes into your living room every night tell you how to think and what to believe and scare the daylights out of you. You have a master. His name is Jesus. You believe the word of God. And that sucker that's on TV, pardon me for saying that, but that guy or that woman who's on TV that's saying all that stuff is a lost person and they're scared of death. But you and I aren't. We're not scared. Amen. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right, bro. We're living life, man. It's pretty darn good. Yep. Don't listen to him. Listen to him. That's right. Listen to him. It was awesome where where we are in Alabama, where we hunt. Um, Very little cell service. I couldn't get my Twitter feed to refresh most of the time or my Facebook feed to refresh. That was so refreshing. (laughs) Optimistic faith. I love you, church. And I wanted to bring a message today to give you hope in a world that's depressed in a world that's discouraged, in a world that has its eyes on just the here and now and not everything else. Let's stand together, everybody. Our great Father, we thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. Though we're hard-pressed on every side, persecuted, But we're not totally defeated and we know that We have you, and we're never defeated, ultimately. So thank you. Thank you that we have the truth. Thank you that we have hope far beyond this life. And thank you in this life that we can have it more abundantly. That's what your word tells us. You've come to give us life and to have it more abundantly. Not just in heaven, but right here on the earth. Help us as Christians to embrace Biblical, theological truth about how we should live in these crazy, confusing times. This hadn't caught you off guard, God. Uh, you know. And we're live at the very moment in time that we're supposed to be, right here, right now. And you have a plan for us. So help us as your church to get serious about these daily things and to be optimistic Christians living in a crazy world. If God has spoken to you, my friend, this altar is open to you, let God pour into your heart as we sing this song of invitation, however God is leading you. Those of you watching on TV, you pray right where you are. We love you and uh, join in with us during this invitation time.